they specifically rewrote uh, part of their statement of faith in regard to Genesis to realize we've got to be specific. We've got to spell it out as six literal days and a global flood and no death before sin. And, 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 and I need to talk about Ken Ham. So let's jump into it. So the reason I got involved with Ken Ham was because I'm a young adult leader and because Ken Ham actually wrote some books that are about reaching young adults. But the thing with Ken Ham's approach to young adult ministry is that he's really in a league of his own. So I'm going to make a little bit of an analogy here. Everyone else I've read, like the books Meet Generation Z, Not Done Yet, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry, Spirituality in Emerging Adulthood, The Defining Decade, even the book Growing Young that I thought was a horrible book, they're all playing the same game. They reference a lot of the same studies, and yeah, they disagree with each other about what that looks like, so like they compete with one another, but they're still working for the betterment of the topic as a whole. So like separate baseball teams in a baseball league, yeah, they compete against one another, but they're still working together for the betterment of the sport. Meanwhile, you have Ken Ham. Ken Ham is like a private baseball team that has their own baseball field, and the only games they play are scrimmages against themselves. But then every once in a while, they'll show up to a league game where everyone else is playing, and they'll look around and say, yeah, 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 you know what, guys? Uh, you're not playing the game correctly. We really know how to play this game. And we've developed some things that we think are pretty good, and they need to be implemented here. So now you all need to play by the same rules that we play by, because we're the correct way to play. That's really what Ken Ham's approach to young adult ministry feels like. Ken Ham's view is not just unique, it is horribly uninformed. As an example, I collected every single reference he makes in all three of his books. He has a couple references to the Barna Group study from 2006. He references three articles published by the Barna Group that were in response to their own survey. He has three references to David Kinnaman's book, Unchristian. He has one reference to a CNN article commenting on a Pew Research study, a single quote from George Barna's 1992 book, The Invisible Generation, which apparently was such a powerful work that it isn't even listed on George Barna's Amazon page. I couldn't find it anywhere. The only way I know it exists is because of a listing on eBay. A quote from someone's blog that's now locked, and a Lifeway article that doesn't even exist anymore. And all throughout his books, more than anything else, he references his own works and the works of his organization, Answers in Genesis. And as far as unique references that he has, he uses four references, at least four references that I can access. Six, if I'm being generous. The Barna Group, David Kinnaman's book, the CNN article, and George Barna's book, The Invisible Generation. Even there, I'm double dipping on George Barna. So it's clear that he is not familiar with the literature that's out there. He is not involved at all with the conversations that are going on. He is truly, totally on his own. And so I simply cannot see him as having any legitimacy to speak into this subject. And when reading his books, it's painfully obvious that his solutions are simply teach apologetics. And they weren't taught apologetics, how to defend their faith. 
Specifically, make sure your young people believe in a literal interpretation of Genesis 1 through 11. Ultimately, every single biblical doctrine of theology, directly or indirectly, is founded in Genesis 1 to 11. And do your best to limit the exposure of young adults to secularized society. I would advise no one to send his child where the Holy Scriptures are not supreme. Every institution that does not unceasingly pursue the study of God's Word becomes corrupt. And also buy more of his books. One of the things that we do as a ministry is provide the resources for you to do that. And we have, um, you'll see, special combination prices. Because that's what he says everywhere. He brings absolutely nothing new to the conversation of young adult ministry. The next thing I want to address is something that stuck out to me from the conclusion of his books. And I have some major issues. He treats young adults as though they're too inept to come to their own conclusions. And the only way to make sure that young adults are faithful followers of Christ is if we insulate them. We're going to build a bubble around you and you're going to live in it for the rest of your life. And that to me is like just so insulting because he assumes that we're just not innately able to question things on our own or to have critical thinking or to challenge a professor or a teacher if we go to a college that doesn't teach something that we believe in. And so Ken Ham's approach of the only way they're going to stay in the church is if you just essentially force them to believe these things and don't expose them to those other ideas because they can't make heads or tails of it. It's just so wrong. The other thing I really don't like about his proposed solutions to fixing the problem is that he very subtly blames parents and pastors that if your kid leaves the church, parents, are you listening? If your kid leaves the church, that's your fault. You didn't do a good enough job instilling the true faith into them. What an incredible responsibility God has entrusted to you, dad, and you, mom. What are you doing about it? How are you training your children? And pastors, if your young adults leave the church, you didn't teach the Bible correctly. You didn't teach apologetics correctly. It's your fault that they left the faith. But you know what's been happening? And sadly, the churches have allowed this to happen, and, all, and the seminaries and Bible colleges and Christian colleges, they've all helped it happen. We've allowed the Philistines, the secularists, to indoctrinate our kids with, with questions and, and statements. And he kind of makes this excuse for young adults like, well, you know, young adults, if you leave the faith, it's just because your pastors and your parents didn't do a good enough job teaching you correctly, because you couldn't make up your own mind. You just had to go with whatever you were taught, and apparently you weren't taught well, so it's not your fault. The other thing, too, that stuck out to me, uh, especially in his book, Already Compromised, where he talks about uh, Christian colleges and how they've compromised in their faith or whatever, it seems that Ken Ham believes the only purpose of higher education is to reinforce doctrine and thinking. Universities only ought to turn out men who are experts in the Holy Scriptures, men who can become bishops and priests universities unless they teach the holy scriptures diligently and impress them on the young students are wide gates to hell so higher education is not about learning a trade it is not about gaining expertise in a given field and it's not about developing oneself as a person and as a member of society like the only purpose of higher education is to just reinforce theology and his solutions that he advocates for throughout these books they really just create more problems than anything it creates this issue because well, what about young people who want to learn a trade? Well, they can't go to a trade school because those are secular. So how are they going to learn a trade? Well, I guess do an apprenticeship, but then that's secular too. So I guess you just join a Mennonite community, but Mennonites aren't fundamentalists. They would disagree with Ken Ham. So I guess that doesn't work either. So I guess if you want to learn a trade, uh, deal with it. 
But what about people who really want to excel in their particular field of expertise, whether it's medicine or engineering? Because some of the best schools for those are not Christian colleges because a lot of Christian colleges don't have the funding in order to hire some of the top experts in those fields to teach. They don't have the money to have the correct resources to help train students that they can be proficient in their field. And so that's why you have a lot of young adults going to state schools because those schools have better programs for whatever field they want to study. And let's be honest, what school you attend is going to have a major impact on what employment opportunities are going to be available for you. And by forcing young adults to only go to these specific Christian colleges, he's essentially saying, yeah, you know what? You're just going to have to settle for what you can get. You got to deal with it. And that brings me to my next point. So like all fundamentalists, Ken Ham's theology is simplistic. Foundational to the Christian life is a belief in a literal genesis. So on any given question, there is a clear right answer. There is no nuance in scripture. There is no nuance in Christian teaching. Everything is black and white. Otherwise, you're denying the authority of scripture. And that's the thing about Ken Ham that I believe makes him so attractive to people. Because people like simple answers. I'm a common sense guy. They just want to just give me the answer. Tell me what this means. I'm good to go. I find it spectacularly amazing, ladies and gentlemen, that people can read this text and insist that in every place where the word day in Genesis or the Bible occurs, it means a 24-hour day. The very first use doesn't. It contrasts day with night. Reminds Sorry, I, I just think I'm too stupid to understand this. I do think that Ken Ham is creating a big issue with his influence in American churches. So here's a little bit of inside baseball for those who aren't aware. There's a pretty big tension between local congregations and institutes of higher learning. So the tension is between the academics and the lay people. Churches, by and large, have this mentality that the colleges are all corrupt and they're teaching a false gospel to our young people. They went to a Christian college, but what was taught in the classroom by their professors actually caused them to doubt the word of God. That led to unbelief and for many of them, they walked away from the church. So the biggest indictment that I have against Christian colleges is that they, is that they create lukewarm Christians. And the colleges have the view that local churches are just teaching folk theology and they don't have a proper understanding of the Christian faith. God, Karen, you are so stupid. And that's the tension between the two. Because people in academics tend to talk like academics. A lot of the early church theologians were educated in the philosophical schools of rhetoric, uh, Platonism. And, and so you have the academics all talking in their circles, but then you also have lay people all talking in their circles. But Ken Ham, on the other hand is not like academics. He doesn't use a lot of big words. He uses basic words and basic ideas. And so there are many average lay people who gravitate towards that and are drawn to his publications because they're easy to read. I'm a common sense guy. But not only that, but Ken Ham also echoes the frustrations of a lot of lay people. But because of how he writes, he's also seen by the average lay person as a member of the academic people. 
So he's kind of seen as, hey, he's one of us and he's also an academic, so he's smart. And so he's taken the fight to the big guys. He's taken the fight to all those corrupt colleges and all those religious elite. He's fighting for us. And so your average Joe and Jane Smith in your church tend to listen to him. And that's one of the reasons why his ideas are so widespread. The problem is when you actually start digging into what Ken Ham teaches, it tends to fall apart at the seams. So I'm going to use an example here. This is Ken Ham's own words. And this is from page 66 of Ready to Return. Doesn't it bother you that atheism, which is based in materialism, has no foundation for logic and reasoning? Is it tough getting up every day believing that truth, which is immaterial, really has no foundation? Are you bothered by the fact that atheism cannot account for the uniformity in nature, the basis by which we can do real science? The thing is, those questions that he proposes is like, oh, these will like really knock out those atheists. Those are questions I came up with myself when I was in high school. And they suck. So there's something interesting I've noticed while reading Ken Ham's works, and it seems to have been something that's progressed over time. And it's really, really evident in his book, Ready to Return. And there's two things I want to touch on here. First off, uh, whenever he's confronted he interprets that as validation that what he's doing is correct. So after all, Ken Ham would say, all the prophets in the Old Testament and all the apostles in the New Testament were all persecuted for standing up to the religious elite of the day, to standing up to the Pharisees. And so since Ken Ham is standing up to the religious elites, such as the Christian colleges and prominent pastors and denominations, and he gets called out for it, his critics only validate his perception that what he's doing is correct. So Ken Ham and his co-authors compare him to Martin Luther. The theme of this conference is igniting a new reformation. And so really, if we're talking about why we need a new reformation, it's a reformation to call the church back to the authority of the word of God. So here's a quote from page 17, right at the beginning of the book of Ready to Return. Clearly, many in our world today ridicule and repudiate those who stand on God's word in Genesis and reject man's beliefs concerning the supposed Big Bang, billions of years, and other evolutionary ideas. As answers in Genesis move forward with the construction of a life-sized ark, we experience the same type of scoffing and it has only increased with time. So if we are staying true to God's word and we contend for the faith, as Jude 1.3 says, we will be mocked, ridiculed, and even persecuted as Jesus predicted in John 15 verses 18 to 21. Are you sure about that? It's victim mentality, clear as day. It never occurs to him throughout any of his works that he is not 100% correct. And that's why what he says never changes and it never develops. Dare I say, Ken Ham has never evolved. My name is KJ, it is so nice to Anyways, I want to move on to the next point. So this is from his book, Ready to Return, also. This is from page 51. Whenever I speak, I typically find that church audiences usually ask the same questions, regardless of what country or church I visit. Among the most frequently asked questions are, how can we know the Bible is true and God's word? Where did God come from? Where did Cain get his wife? Can't Christians believe in the earth being millions of years old, the Big Bang, and evolution, as long as they say God was involved? Are the days of creation 
regular 24 hour days or millions of years? And does it really matter? How could Noah fit all the animals in the ark? I became convinced that there must be a connection. I wondered if the lack of teaching biblical apologetics in our churches, youth groups, Sunday schools, and Bible studies could be a major reason why young people leave the church. Here's what's weird about this, and where I really think Ken Ham's kind of gone off the deep end, is he's interpreting his interactions as saying, well, everywhere I go, people are asking me these questions, therefore, these must be the same questions that everyone is wrestling with. And he doesn't seem to realize that his whole public persona is all about Genesis. Like he started the website Answers in Genesis. He founded the Creation Museum. He built an ark in Kentucky. That's all Ken Ham's about is Genesis. So yeah, that's all people are going to ask him about. But somehow he's taken that and he's used that as like, yeah, this is all people care about because this is all I hear. And so when he reads studies about young adults... And the research says young people are leaving the church because of hypocrisy, because of music, because it's boring, because the pastors. He says, no, 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 that can't be true because I don't hear about those things. The only thing I hear about is Genesis. And then that's how you get his book already gone. Now, I will put credit where credit is due. Ken Ham is an advocate for apologetics. I firmly agree with him on that. I agree that people in our churches, by and large, don't know the Bible very well. I agree that people in our churches don't know Christian belief. They don't know doctrine very well. And I believe that we as church leaders need to do a better job of communicating the Christian faith. And I also believe, as much flack as I'm giving Ken Ham, I do believe that I will see Ken Ham at the resurrection. I mean, unless either of us fall away from the faith. And I will give him credit for this. He is passionate about the scriptures. He's passionate about Jesus Christ. I do believe he is misguided, but I can't fault him for his passion. And I do feel that there are people that I will see in heaven because of Ken Ham. So I don't want this to sound like I'm denouncing him as a heretic. I'm not going to do that. But I will say I strongly disagree with a lot of what Ken Ham teaches. I strongly disagree with a lot of his methods. And I just wanted to be honest and share my thoughts about that after having read Ken Ham's books. So that's going to be kind of my review of Ken Ham. Uh, if you liked it, leave a like. If you have anything you want to say, leave a comment, reach out to me. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. If you're a big fan of Ken Ham, I'd like to hear your thoughts too. Like, let me know why. Like, what about him stands out to you that you really appreciate, that you really like? And also be sure to share this video with people you may know. Be sure to subscribe so that you'll be notified of other videos that come out on our channel. And with that being said, thank you for joining me for this. I appreciate it. And I will see you next time.